Listener production. Hello and welcome back to Just the Gist. And this is the first of a series of little true crime themed mini sodes that we're trying out and order for your dinner party chit chat and the mouche, if you will. And for this first episode, I am joined by the fabulous Veronica Milson. Hey. The least mini person you could find. <laughs> Actually, we're both giants together. We are gigantors, aren't we? Mm. Yes. Um, thrilled to have you on the episode. Obviously, you're a very well-known and loved radio personality, podcaster, actress, writer. There's pretty much nothing you don't do oh my gosh, in the creative thank you arts. So much. That's very true. And hopefully, this will be the first of several appearances from you on Just the Gist. Oh my gosh! You know, I've never done anything to do with true crime though. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which I'm a bit nervous about because I don't. I never know quite where the line is about um, crime being fun, you know, mm, and yeah. and when you cross it, like what the the diagram would be, like tragedy plus time equals comedy. Is it like murder plus time equals true crime podcast? Mm. Yeah. How much time needs to go by? I think- Everyone needs to be dead, don't they? Yes, mm. and even then, the most important thing, or at least what I'm trying to do, okay, is okay. make sure that I maintain a level of sensitivity <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> okay. don't go into too much of the graphic, gory, okay. gratuitous yep. stuff. That's yep, what yep, I'm yep. trying to sort of okay. steer clear of. Mm. Yeah, Because it's not even like they're crimey crimes. They're pretty big level crimes, aren't they, that you tackle? Mm, yeah. So. Sometimes. I mean, sometimes they are quite sort of minor, petty Crime-esque. things. Crime-esque. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these ones I would say are fairly serious. Ooh, boy, howdy, strap in. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, hopefully this will whet your appetite for crime. a little bit more oh, true crime. True crime, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> True crime entertainment, yes. Um, And for our Maiden Voyage mini-sode, I am serving just the gist of the time a woman became the biggest celebrity in all of Britain, not because of something admirable or impressive she did, but because she was accused of committing heinous sex crimes. Whoa! Starting with sex crimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, I'm already glorifying <laughs> sex crimes. <laughs> Veronica, wind it back. <laughs> oh, no. Sex crimes. Go on. It was pretty serious. But, um, yeah, it wasn't necessarily taken all that seriously at the time because we're going all the way back to September of 1977. Oh, okay. And things kicked off when a 20-year-old Mormon from America named Kirk Anderson was reported missing from... The church just outside of London where he'd been posted for his Mormon mission. Okay, so to convince everyone that they should be Mormons. That's convert right. Convert to the church. He mm-hmm. was going around knocking on doors and trying to recruit. Okay. Yeah. Three days later, after he'd gone missing, Kirk returned to the church from whence he'd vanished and his story of what had happened to him was so wild, so shocking, it sparked the biggest media frenzy of the year in Britain. So, according to Kirk, he'd been kidnapped at gunpoint by his ex-girlfriend and forced to have sex with her until he got her pregnant. Whoa. He She doesn't know anything about fertility. Neither does he. (laughs) (laughs) Happens at a certain time of the month. You don't have to just keep going and going and going. Anyway. She had said that she was going to keep him there for as many months as it took. Oh, wow. That's pretty desperate. So his story was he'd been tricked into meeting with a strange guy who turned out to be his ex's accomplice, and that accomplice pulled a gun on him and forced him into a car where his ex was waiting, wearing this 
terrible cheap wig. And he was driven to a cottage in a secret location hours away with a bag over his head the entire time he was in the car. He was taken inside this cottage and chained to a bed and repeatedly forced to have sex with his ex, whose name was Joyce McKinney. My gosh, who loved a cheap wig. I love that <laughs> level of detail. It's like it was a wig and, listen, very cheap at that. I'm like, I understand. I've seen those Halloween wigs. There's good wigs and there's bad wigs. Uh-huh. It was Joyce, okay, we're already getting a, a good idea of who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kirk said the only reason he'd been released after three days was because he promised Joyce he'd marry her. She'd let him go back to his church so that he could, like, tell his bishop or whatever and start planning the wedding. Now, these allegations he was making were very, very serious, but like I said, a lot of people didn't really take it that seriously. At the time, the concept of a man being raped didn't exist in British law back then in the 70s. Really? Mm. My gosh. Okay. So, I mean, for him, if true, totally unfair. But also, the story does seem to stink a bit. Like, Mm -hmm. just because that is incredible. Who's the accomplice? Like, what what sort of person would have driven them to the secret cottage to make this all happen? His name was Keith. He went by KJ and he was in love with Joyce himself. So he was willing to do anything Joyce asked him to do. Okay, so you'd be willing, you'd so in love with a woman that you'd be willing to kidnap a man so she could have sex with him? Mm -hmm. I don't reckon. Mm, I mean, surely you would just be like, do it with me, Joyce. (laughs) (laughs) Look at me. I'm Keith. I'm here. I'm loyal to you. But Joyce was dedicated to Kirk, apparently. Okay. Yeah. So, and did Joyce want to be a Mormon? Sorry, do you know this level of detail? Joyce actually was a Mormon. She'd converted to Mormonism. Um, She wasn't going to stay a Mormon for very long, as you'll see in this story. But yeah, at this point, she was a Mormon herself. A Mormon who kidnaps people. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. To try to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Um, thankfully, some of the cops took Kirk's claims about assault and kidnap seriously enough to start planning a sting operation to arrest Joyce, as well as her accomplice. And the police used Kirk to set up a little trap. He contacted Joyce and told her to come to his Mormon church so they could get married. He'd sorted everything out. She was on her way to what she thought was her wedding, wearing her puffy white dress and carrying two engraved wedding bands when she was pulled over by the cops and arrested for kidnapping and indecent assault. And reporters had already been tipped off about this story and how wild it was. So they were there on the scene waiting to get photos when Joyce was arrested and then some more when she was arriving oh at the jail. Oh, my gosh. So these exist, these photos. Oh, it was yeah. only in 77. You can see them and you can see the look of devastation on her face when she realises that she's not actually on her way to so her wedding. From her perspective, either she thinks that she's on her way to her wedding because she's had this great sex romp with this person who's been consensual, mm-hmm. or she's heading to this wedding of someone she's kidnapped and she's like, I've tricked this idiot into her getting married to me. And now, is she pregnant at this point? She's not. No. Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. so it didn't even work, no. the whole saga. Mm-hmm. Except I guess he had committed to her either way. Which is all she really wanted, yes. I mean, oh, really? She she wanted pregnancy and... She wanted to marry To Kirk. marry him. Okay, yes. I'm learning more and more about Mormons. I mean, we shouldn't generalise, but they don't like 
buttons. Is that the thing? <laughs> is that the thing about Mormons? It's like I the one thing I know about them. Anything about buttons <laughs> that I can recall? But maybe you're thinking about their magic underwear they always have on under their clothes. Um. Oh, do they? A protective garment that is supposed to ward off evil demons, particularly Satan. Oh, okay. So mm. magic undies, they don't like buttons, allegedly. <laughs> According to Veronica. And um, they desperately want to marry under any circumstance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the press knew this was going to be a big story. And sure enough, when the tale of the manacled Mormon hit the newsstands, it blew up instantly because it was so salacious with so many clickbaity kind of aspects. There was... The sex, particularly bondage sex, kidnap, Mormons. And people were extra intrigued because Joyce was this petite little blonde pixie woman, whereas Kirk was like a big, bulky, six foot four Wookiee, kind of like our ilk. So the British public was like, could she really have overpowered him and forced him to do things he didn't want to do? How did she, did we talk about how he, was it handcuffed, did you say? He'd been handcuffed to the bed for three days. Yeah, Yeah. I guess Keith was there, so I guess he could have helped Mm. as the um, potential. Bit of a grey area, how much he was involved, how frequently he was in and out of the room. Keith was just sitting out the front in the car in his Nissan or whatever. <laughs> just going, um, I don't know what you're doing in there. I'd prefer not to know. But when you, when you back out, I've got a question for you about um, whether we could go on a date or something. <laughs> She's just there in her cheap wig, <laughs> handcuffing a man to a bed. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So everyone was talking about Joyce and Kirk, and it turned out to be one of those stories that just kept serving new twists and wrinkles, because it turned out Joyce's story and Kirk's story varied dramatically. Of course they did. I mean, under either circumstance, of course they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Soon after Joyce was arrested, she found ways to leak her side of the story out to the public. Mm -hmm. And in her version of events, she and Kirk had been madly in love back in Utah, where they went to the same college. And although she said they'd never had sex back then, Kirk accidentally got her pregnant through heavy petting. Oh, that can't happen. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Can it? (laughs) I I think it has to be. Heavy petting to me is like... um, you know when you oh, what's it called when you're like um, gyrating on top of each other, the kind of thing that you mm. do when you're like a, a, a teen mm. um, and fully dry clothed. Humping. Dry mm. humping. Of course it's called that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that feels like a dry humping thing um, that you would do, which would be heavy petting. But uh, it, I guess it, it has to, sperm has to get in the vagina to impregnate. So she was, she has been pregnant to Kirk before. She claims. <laughs> yeah, not a lot to substantiate yeah. this, but this is what she claims. All right, I'm and starting to believe her a little less now. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that tipped me over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, interesting. Um, so Joyce said that she'd assumed that pregnancy meant they would be getting married for sure. But when Kirk told his family he'd got his quote-unquote virgin girlfriend pregnant mm. through innocent heavy petting. Immaculate consent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were just aghast and they were determined to split the couple up. So they arranged to send Kirk away on this Mormon mission to London. And Joyce was devastated when Kirk was taken away from her. So she spent months hiring a private investigator to track Kirk down. And then when she located him, she made a plan to go and rescue him so they could be reunited. 
And she said when he laid eyes on her, he was overjoyed to see her and he very willingly left with her and her accomplice. And when they took him to the cottage, what she was doing with him for those three days Mm -hmm. was deprogramming him because she said he was part of this dangerous cult of Mormonism and she was helping she him bring back too, the Kirk she knew and loved. I thought that she was. She'd converted to Mormonism uh, and then had sort of turned against it when they'd taken her lover away oh, from okay, her. Okay, okay. And then so he'd gone away and she's like, hey, join me on the dark side. Mm. I can deprogram you. And what is deprogramming... Entail in this sex, instance, lots yeah, of sex, lots yeah. and lots of sexy sex. Yeah, I mean that might, unless uh, only if it was consensual, mm. Mm. which is what she was claiming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can see how intrigue in this story would grow day by day. Every news outlet was covering it as the weeks passed. So of course there was an enormous crowd in attendance when Joyce had her preliminary hearing in court. She took the stand and spent almost a full hour explaining in detail how chaining Kirk to the bed had been part of just a simple practical tactic to help him overcome the impotence he was experiencing as a result of all the Mormon shame about sex. Oh, wow. Okay. So now she's like an expert on how to cure impotence. She read a book because she needed to find a solution to this problem. And she said that he very happily consented to being tied up and that he really enjoyed his time with her there in that cottage. And she also kept expressing how disappointed she was that Kirk was now throwing her under the bus to save himself from being excommunicated from the church because he'd clearly spent a few days with her and then realized the only way to avoid getting kicked out of Mormonism, which was the only way of life he'd ever known, was if he made up this story about how he'd been forced to break his sacred vows of chastity and waiting until marriage. And all throughout her testimony, Joyce gave these very original sound bites in her North Carolina accent. She oh, was gosh. saying things Do like... Do the accent. Do the accent. I loved him so much I would have <laughs> skied down Mount Everest naked with a carnation in my nose if he'd asked me to. Oh, wow. Like, the press just ate this stuff up. The other famous thing she said was when she was asked about the possibility of a woman forcing a man to have sex, she said, well, that'd never work. That'd be like stuffing a marshmallow in a parking meter. <laughs> <laughs> A marshmallow in a parking meter. Mm -hmm. That is, how long did she think about that? That would never occur to me. That is Whether it came to her spontaneously or not, I don't know, but she kept dropping that for months and months and months after because people just found it so amusing. Yeah, I'm going to think about that every time I see a parking meter now. In (laughs) fact, I might try to to put a a marshmallow into one just to see if it works. (laughs) Um, yeah, that is so Please visual. It's so, it's so yucky. Mm-hmm. Um, she She's really real put character. on a show. And coverage of Joyce's court appearance was, of course, everywhere. Her nickname by this point was Madame Mayhem, and Britain was obsessed with her. Of course they were. And what did she look like? As I know you said small and pixie. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other visuals? Quite pretty. Um, She did a bit of modelling work. Oh, Um, I see. She was in the pageant world. Um, She was an aspiring actor. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, she was really proud of her looks. I love that when she was on her way to her wedding and she saw that there was just heaps of people gathered, she was like, everybody loves me. <laughs> she seems completely deluded. Yeah, yeah. Mm. She definitely, definitely um, yeah, wasn't completely in tune with reality. Um, and nor, it seems, was the British public because they were very willing to overlook the fact that this woman was allegedly a violent sex criminal. They were too busy enjoying the Joyce show because she was providing so much entertainment. Uh, she was released on bail while she waited for her trial and immediately she started calling around all the papers and TV stations offering to sell them even more details about her life and her relationship with Kirk. So it all kept getting juicier day by day. Yeah. She was giving them details about how she'd been Miss Wyoming in the Miss USA pageant. She dated one of the Osmond brothers back in Utah briefly. You know oh, the Osmonds? No. Who are they? They're a famous Mormon musical group. Oh, okay. You might have heard of Donnie and Marie Osmond. I think okay. they were the two youngest siblings, but like they're the Mormon icons. All right. And, and she was thinking that this was giving her cred. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Um, but it wasn't just about beauty. She also claimed that she had an IQ higher than Albert Einstein. Oh, okay. I mean, so much of it was just blatant lies, but it was all great entertainment. Yeah. And, of course, whenever Joyce had the microphone, she'd try to bring the focus back to her being a good Christian, all-American girl who was innocent and chaste and pure of heart. That was the brand she was going hard mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. While she was waiting for her trial, she made a lot of money. And I'm not exaggerating when I say she became the biggest star in the UK when you count up the number of front pages of newspapers she was on around that time. How have I not heard of this girl? Because it was a real flash in the pan. Okay. And it was only really in Britain. Is she dead now? She's not, no. Oh, my gosh. Mm. And is she still a bit famous? Uh, only if you know her via this story. Mm. Yeah, but um, It'd be okay. weird being one of her kids, you know, now and just realizing the lengths that she went to to try to get pregnant. Mm, yeah, she never did end up marrying or having children. She did not. She did not. <gasps> no. Was that your final bit that I've just ruined? Uh, I wasn't even going to take it that far. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, My totally. Gosh, fine. you go deep. <laughs> <laughs> so this was Joyce's dream come true, her big break. Like yeah. I said, she was a drama student. She oh, always oh my gosh, she's felt a drama like queen. she was going to be famous and it was finally happening for her. acting job that yeah. she was aspiring to. Mm-hmm. And she had a lot of fun really enjoying her infamy for a while. She got invited to major parties, like the release party for Saturday Night Fever. She got to dance with John Travolta and the Bee Gees. What? Uh-huh. Even though the whole time they all thought that she was potentially... A yeah. Yeah. Well, not mm-hmm. even sex pest, like a criminal, a mm-hmm. horrible criminal that had done something unspeakable to this poor dude. Yeah. Oof. It just had this sort of naughty novelty to most of the people it's a woman. in the public. Wow. Yeah. Um, photos from that night with Travolta and the BG sold so many papers. She started getting invited to more and more big events, um, like the premiere of Joan Collins' new movie, where Joyce got more attention from the crowd and the photographers than Joan got, which did not go down well with Miss Collins at all, as yeah. I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah. McKinney Mania was at its peak, and then... Plot twist, the day after that premiere, Joyce and her accomplice friend Keith vanished completely. For over a week, 
No one had a clue where they were. They'd skipped bail. Again, about Keith. See, this is the I think it was potentially the plan all along. Keith is her agent slash lover. <laughs> Such an interesting take on this. Um, but no, he had helped her sneak out of the UK. They'd decided that they didn't want to wait around for this trial that they thought might be a little bit unfair, maybe even unnecessary. And the way that they found out that she'd left the country was that Joyce rang up the Daily Express newspaper and offered to sell them exclusive access to her entire story, including the deets of how they'd escaped the UK using fake IDs and makeup and wow. cheap wigs and cheap wig fat again suits. gosh fat um, suits wowie that is that's the next level a cheap ca- cheap wig and a fat suit as a combo mm-hmm. is just too good yeah um, and then layer on top of that that the characters they were playing were deaf and mute mm. what yeah elaborate and it worked she got out of the country oh my gosh and so the express agreed to pay the kind of reasonable price of about half a million dollars in today's money to get Joyce's story. And they flew a reporter over to the US to get the scoop. And when Joyce met with the reporter, she showed up disguised as an Indian Bollywood actress in full blackface. Okay, you definitely Uh couldn't do that nowadays. Uh No. Um, But she felt like she had to inhabit yet another character so she wouldn't get recognised in public. Now, the story Joyce fed the reporter was yet again all about pure love. It painted her as a sweet, demure, virginal, selfless little creature who'd been used by Kirk and mercilessly cast aside and forsaken. And she really thought this piece was going to solidify her as this ingenue star. She thought it had the potential to lead to movie roles, maybe her own TV show. Oh, man, she's horrible. The more and more you learn, the more horrible she is. Mm -hmm. She's just desperate to get into a really nice wig. That's what's up. (laughs) She's like, get me on a set so I can finally live my dream as a wig wearer. Yeah, I need something with human hair and a lace front. (laughs) That's the destiny that awaits me. Um, So she really believed she had control of the narrative because Kirk wasn't talking to the media at all. He'd gone completely silent. She thought she had all the power. But the same day that the Express ran their exclusive under the headline, My Undying Love, one of their rival papers, the Daily Mirror, ran a very different feature article on Joyce under the headline, The Real McKinney. Wow. The Mirror had sent proper investigative reporters to America to do some actual journalism rather than just regurgitating Joyce's statements, and they'd found evidence of Joyce's real history, which involved doing a lot of work as a nude model and all the different types of sex work, particularly BDSM style work, which was her specialty. Oh, I tell you what, I was wondering what her history of work was beforehand, and this is it. Mm-hmm. I could have been one of these great reporters for the Daily Mirror. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I could have aspired to such journalism. Um, yeah, with only a little bit of digging, they'd found pictures, they had quotes from clients of Joyce's, they had copies of the ads Joyce had placed in very niche specialty magazines. And so these two stories were running at exactly the same time. It's such a great epitome of the Madonna-Whore dichotomy. 
where you've got yes. the two different extremes about the one woman being presented. I mean, not that being a nude model and being into BDSM makes you someone who would rape, no. um, but still it's an interesting background. Mm. But even then, if you like into BDSM and I guess if you were like into non-consensual stuff, mm. would someone proposing to you end it? Like is that, that bit doesn't really add up, you know? The most important element in this mm. was that she'd been caught in a lie because yeah. she'd been claiming until those three days in the cottage with Kirk, she'd been a virgin. Okay. And yet now there was all this photographic okay, okay, evidence okay, okay, okay. of her having done so much more and being a very experienced, a worldly woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's petted a lot. Very, yeah. very, very heavily. Very heavily. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that really started to sort of swing public opinion towards the view that Joyce probably wasn't quite as innocent as she'd been portraying herself in the entire manacle Mormon debacle. Despite that, though, she was never extradited to the UK. So she never went to trial. It's never been proven in a court of law who was telling the more truthful version of events, Joyce or Kirk. Most people think the truth is somewhere between the two sides of their story. They think Kirk was probably more willing than he was willing to admit. Because he was a big dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether or not Keith helped, that's another story, Mm -hmm. but yes. Mm -hmm. Plus, you know, he's a 20-year-old guy. He had some urges that she was willing to fulfill, and then maybe he started to experience a little bit of regret. But it certainly did start to look like Joyce was probably a little more forceful than she'd been letting on in her versions of the story. We'll never really know what the truth is, but something happened in 1984 that I think you'll agree is quite telling. So this is seven years after the alleged kidnapping. Mm -hmm. Joyce was arrested for stalking Kirk at his workplace back in Salt Lake City. And in her car, they found handcuffs and rope and a handwritten record Joyce had been keeping of all of Kirk's movements. She was planning oh to kidnap my him. Gosh. And I do not think it was for the first time. She is neck level. And mm-hmm. I mean, unless it was just that she would keep it. No, okay. I can't even begin to. I was like, maybe she just keeps handcuffs in her car for any sort of BDSM <laughs> opportunity. We know she's into that. No, I can't defend her. She's keeping records of when he's coming and going from his work. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Kirk. He's got really, I mean, he was um, caught up in this whole horrible thing with this woman. Yeah. I mean, he did, uh, yeah, no, actually, I can't say that. (laughs) She maintained an obsession with him for years and years and years. She tried to release a book um, which was sort of written as a fairy tale in yeah. which she describes the Joyce character as the most beautiful princess in all the land, oh, which says so man. much about how she thinks of herself. But by the time she was wanting to release that, people had sort of lost interest Gosh. in the Joyce McKinney story, to be honest. I mean, so. not us. We're into it now. <laughs> Joyce, I mean, come to your senses. Forget Kirk. Have some Keith self-respect. is there. <laughs> Keith's waiting in the Nissan. <laughs> beep, beep. I'm here, Joyce. They really had a bit of a master-slave relationship. Oh, my gosh, Joyce yes. and Keith. And yeah. they dabbled together in BDSM for sure. Oh, for sure, mm. yeah. Keith was into it. Kirk, mm. not so much. Go mm. with Keith. Keith abandoned ship a couple <laughs> of years after the whole thing happened. Oh, did yeah, he? They parted ways. Mm. Mm. Uh, he sort of managed to recover from the spell he'd been put under. And so that, dear Veronica, is just the gist of a woman who allegedly committed scandalous, awful crimes, which 
made her a star, at least for a little while. And that's all she wanted, Mm -hmm. ultimately. I mean, the American government seems to have supported her and backed her and not, like, extradited her to Mm. the UK where she would have been put on trial. Mm. They were like, you know what? It's kind of a cute story. She's hot. (laughs) Uh, we'll let it go. <laughs> How harmful could she be? Well, it turns out quite harmful. Because, yeah, horrible. Um, yeah, even down the track, she continued to do some pretty dodgy things. But yeah, it's like a more bizarre version of my favourite musical, Chicago, <laughs> which is all about <laughs> women who want to become famous and use their criminal activity oh, yeah, to that's true. put themselves in the spotlight and then take advantage of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this could be a musical. <laughs> I guess pretty Maybe grim, it is. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it it has it been turned into anything? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, but probably for the best. To, yeah, she doesn't need any more attention. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the Joyce McKinney story. Thanks so much. I feel like um, my life is so much better having heard that <laughs> horrible true crime story. Thanks so much. Thanks for going on the ride. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Ya. Listener.